0: We today are moving on in our series in the Lord's Prayer. Uh, we thus far have covered the portions that say, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And today, we are we are just covering the part that says, Your kingdom come. Depending on how you uh, count this, uh, it's either the first real petition after the introduction, or it's like the real, it's the second one, or it's part... One of the second one. We're doing Thy Kingdom Come. Count it as you will. Uh, Next week, we'll cover Your Will Be Done. Um, I'm gonna read two passages one from the Gospel of Mark, one from the book of Romans. And then uh, last week, I asked you questions out of the Westminster Catechism, Short Catechism. And I told you that we would be cheating off of other people's homework freely during this series and really at all times. And this week, I'm asking you more questions. This time, they are from the Anglican Church of North America's catechism, which was established a few years ago. So uh, I'm going to read those two passages. You'll see questions on the screen. If you feel comfortable, uh, read the responses out loud. All right? All right, this is from Mark chapter 4. And he said, The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises, night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle, because the harvest has come. And he said, with what can we compare the kingdom of God? Or what parable shall we use for it? It is like a grain of mustard seed, which, when sown on the ground, is the smallest of all the seeds on earth. Yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants, puts out large branches, so the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. And from Romans chapter 8. So then, brothers and sisters, we are debtors, not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who who are led by the Spirit of God are sons and daughters of God. For you do not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons and daughters, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. Provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. For I consider the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the children of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it. And hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. Father, we give you thanks for this, your word. And we thank you that we get to hear with our ears. But God, we ask for your help that would hear with our hearts. Help us to hear and to receive. God, we pray that our hearts would not be hard before you, but soft. That we'd be open to receive the news of the kingdom. And God, we pray that we would really know what it means to pray that your kingdom would come. Help us to see it, to hear it, and to pray it more faithfully. In Jesus' name, we ask this. Amen. Uh, Thus far, um, Jesus has, in a sense, oriented our relationship in prayer by teaching us to pray to our Father who's in heaven, that his name would be hallowed. He's teaching us in this prayer that, that we are speaking to the God who rules and reigns over everything, and his name ought to be respected, honored, for the holy, singular person that he is, but at the same time, he's our Father, and he's close to us. And so when Jesus uh, teaches us this, he reorients our relationship to him as we pray. And then the first thing that he is teaching us to pray is this thing, let your kingdom come. And uh, we've right here from the Gospel of Mark, if you've been with us previously in this semester, we spent a good deal of time going through the first half of the Gospel of Mark, including uh, this passage. And Jesus preaches the kingdom, He the bulk of his teaching is about the nature of the kingdom and the coming of the kingdom. His first message, announced message in the Gospel of Mark, is the, the announcement that the kingdom has come, it's at hand, and you should repent and believe. Um, and we just spent a few weeks ago talking about how the gospel that we want to preach is Valley Hope, the thing that we hope continues to fuel and give clarity and focus to everything that we do as a church is primarily a kingdom message, the announcement uh, that Jesus is announcing, that the kingdom is at hand and Jesus is his king. And so now we are praying this thing as Jesus teaches us to pray, thy kingdom come, let your kingdom come. And when he teaches us that, he is by default exposing to us the kingdom is not, where it will be. Because if we're praying that the kingdom is to come, we are praying that it is not fully here. By which we do not mean that Jesus hasn't done what he's done. He has. He's finished his work on the cross and his resurrection. It's accomplished and finalized. Nothing further needs to be done in that. However, he teaches us to pray that that kingdom would be extended. New Testament uh theologian and scholar Wesley Hill has a little book on the Lord's Prayer. It's really helpful. And he said, it's it's helpful to think of kingdom not as a noun, but more as a verb, the place where God is ruling. And Jesus is teaching us to pray that there would be an expansion of the place where God is ruling. And we can see signs of God's not ruling everywhere can see it in lots of places. And I want to talk about, I think, three kind of directions of travel of this prayer that I think are important as we pray together that the kingdom of God would come. And the first is that we would be people who pray that the kingdom would come in ourselves. And and when we say that, when we talk about that, um, there are signs within my own person that God is not the one who is actually ruling various parts of my heart. And if you could, if you could take my innermost habit of thought, you could take my emotional life and you could put it in a visual and you could stretch it out over a screen, you would see patterns of thought. You would see things that my mind comes back to regularly. Things that my heart comes back to regularly. Some things with greater frequency and less frequency. But if you could see everything out, you would see these patterns in the display of my heart. And in plenty of those patterns, not all of them, you would see indications that God is not the one who's the one doing the ruling. So I I am a fairly normal father on some accounts, but I have my own anxieties for my children. Things that I come back to again and again and again. And, it, and if you looked at my anxieties in the way that they manifest in my own thought life, and my own emotional life, you would see signs, not just that I care for my children, but that I feel like I am the solution to an unexpected or unseen problem. And that basically, if I could just be close to them, if I could just stay involved, if I could remain at the helm of their decision-making, I would fix whatever these invisible problems that don't yet exist might be. And my anxieties are actually speaking to my own craving of control, which does not reflect Jesus ruling in my own heart. If, if you looked at and could see the pattern of the fixation of my thoughts, the things that I comfort myself with, the things that uh, I meditate on when I'm bored, the things, the places where my mind goes to distract itself, you would not see signs that God is ruling there. They're, they're focused on, on things and experience in, in objects, things that do not reflect necessarily. That God is the one who is my chief delight. Or is the one who gives every good gift. But is instead me making schemes of how I can obtain for myself those things. And provide for myself. You could look at the ways that I hold grudges. I nurse grievances. Foster bitterness. Keep score with various people. You could see how I crave the approval, the adoration of certain people. None of which reflects God ruling in me, and me being a person who can forgive because I've been forgiven, who finds security in God's own declaration of his love for me. These habits, these regular patterns of of being and thought in me are signs that I should be praying in myself that the kingdom would come. That the rule of God, the ruling of God would be extended to all of these dark corners of my heart. And Jesus in this teaching in Mark chapter 4 gives you some indication of how it is that the kingdom grows. Chiefly by seemingly doing nothing. That's the image. As you put the seed in the ground, and it seems like nothing is happening. Nothing is going on. And that is very often what it feels like in my own heart. That nothing is going on. And then I barely notice the little shoots that finally break through the soil. I barely notice the day-by-day slow growth through the soil. I cannot discern often how or where the kingdom is growing in my own life. And so Jesus bids me to pray regularly that I would be attentive to the life of the kingdom. And God has been patient with me. I do not even know all of the darkness in my own heart. I can't even see all the places where I am holding on to my own rule and reign. I am blinded to it and have been for my whole life. And yet for all of my 38 years... God has seen the totality of my heart. And he has mercifully not shown me all of the darkness in my own heart at once. Because it would have crushed me. He has instead, over time, with me, slowly brought the seed to fruitfulness. And so I pray... That God would continue that work that he has done in me the whole of my life. The darkness, the boundaries of the darkness within me would shrink back, be pushed back, and the seed of the kingdom would grow. And I think that we have to understand this kind of direction of travel with this petition, let your kingdom come. Because we're not only meant to look inward as we pray that the kingdom would come. However, if we don't understand that we are praying that the rule of God would be extended in our own life, first, it is far too easy to look out into the world at the brokenness, the evil, the twistedness of the world around us and to think that we can pray, let your kingdom come and think that we don't need it ourselves. And when you start praying that way, it starts to become, God, this world is messed up. Those people messed it up. Let your kingdom come over there on their heads, particularly. Fix it over there. And that is the way of the Pharisee. When you think that all of those prayers apply to those people over there and not to this person right here, there is trouble. But when you first understand that the kingdom has to be extended in its borders and power within me, you can look at outward at the world with a lot more clarity of sight, a lot more generosity of spirit. And you don't pray that in quite the vengeful way. Now, it is appropriate not to just pray for the inward extension of God's rule, but it is also appropriate to pray for the outward extension of God's rule. Because the world is not as it should be. It's not. The world has all kinds of signs that there are more than one kingdom in the world. That there is is an alternative kind of dominion. And we see it in all kinds of ways. In the things that make people miserable. In the things that make people happy. There are all kinds of indications that there is another kingdom in this world. Active. And, and it is appropriate to look and to, to look at the people in our lives, to look at our neighbors, to look at our neighborhood, to look at our region, to see all of these things and ask God to bring the kingdom in power, to, to move into the darkness that is there that comes with unknowing, with the lack of, of knowing Him. There, it is good to be grieved by the things that are grievous. It is good to be angered by the things that are, that are outrageous. However... Even as we pray in kind of this outward direction, we have to be mindful of whose kingdom we are praying for. Because what what can easily happen is you can slip into praying for the right things to be accomplished in the wrong way. What I mean is this, that it is wrong this or that thing happens. And you and I can easily slip into the habits of this world and believe God must not only just fix that problem, but he must fix it in the way that I know, at the speed that I know. And so then what happens, you, you baptize the language of the world to, to justify or Christianize a kind of spiritual approach to the way that the world itself is familiar with operating. If it was just my particular political party that was in power, if it was just my personal program that was put in place, if it was my particular approach, if we did it at this speed, if we just did it this way, then it would be fixed. Thy kingdom come, God, this particular way is what I mean. And that is not a kingdom prayer. Because it is Jesus who is the king of the kingdom. It it is not any particular political party. It is not any method. It is not according to my timeline or yours that we would demand of God that he do it in the way that we expect or we anticipate. Though we can certainly ask if we'd like. It is Jesus' kingdom It is Jesus who sows the seed. It is Jesus who will bring it to fruition in his speed, in his way, and his time. And so it it can be really tricky because there's an overlap of other people's agenda and what is truly good and proper. And it can be easy to think that in this overlap, because the world has identified rightly, we can be just like the world in how we seek to address this or that thing. But that, that is not the kingdom way. And we ought to be careful. Here's, here's an example of, of how this can work. Children should be fed in the place where Jesus reigns. When God is ruling over the world, there are no hungry children. Marriages flourish. Homes are places of safety and security. That's what it looks like when Jesus is king. And other people value those same things and will work at them with you. But they do not seek to accomplish it or define it along the same lines. And if you subtly adopt the ways of the world to accomplish what you think are good ends, you are missing some of what the the kingdom prayer is teaching you to pray. Because it is Jesus' kingdom and Jesus' way on Jesus' timeline, the whole way through, no picking or choosing. It is Him that is king. Now, you can be a person, we can be people of prayer, and we ought to be. The, the early church encouraged its people to pray this prayer regularly because it's so easy. To, to slide into being your own kind of kingdom builder. The own, you build your own kingdom at your pace along your own desired ends. And so the early church would say, you need to pray this prayer all the time because you need to be regularly being meditating on what it means that this is Jesus' kingdom and not yours. But you can be a person of prayer and then be a person of complete inaction. And this is not... What this prayer requires of you. In fact, you are required to act on what you are praying. Because prayer radically reshapes your imagination and the affections of your heart by being a person who meditates on this. ...petition that the kingdom would come... ...you are becoming a more and more kingdom-minded person... ...so that as a praying person... ...you are going to wherever God is calling you today... ...tomorrow, the next day... ...and that place becomes a venue... ...where that petition becomes worked out and enfleshed... ...so that everything that you do as a kingdom-praying person... ...then becomes a venue for a play... Where God is the central actor and you get to play a bit part. So that you're staying at home as a mom or being a janitor or working at Ingalls or being an accountant or a CEO. Whether you have a blue collar job, a white collar job, a student job, a no job. Whatever it is, every single day becomes a venue for you to act out what it looks like when God is ruling What does it look like for me to be a good employee, a good husband, a good mom, a good neighbor when Jesus is ruling? And you are are meant to not just pray this prayer, but to act out what it might look like in the world when the kingdom comes close. So every single vocation, every single minute of my day and your day and all of the kingdom's day becomes then a living out of this prayer. Now, there's another way that you can go wrong is that you never embody the meaning of this petition. In fact, the act of asking God, who is your father, is removed. All you see the kingdom as is a list of social attributes. If we enact the right plan, if we do the right thing, if we do enough charity, I can bring the kingdom. I can usher in the kingdom myself, and it doesn't work that way. You you can parse out, you can distill, you can reduce the kingdom down to all kinds of what it might look like when God is the ruler and reign. And then you can try to systematically move through those things. Or you can just pick one and you can say, I personally, I will address hunger in children. Me, personally. And I will bring the kingdom. And there are all kinds of people who have nothing to do with Jesus who will do the exact same thing that you are. Because it just seems obvious. Why shouldn't children eat? Why shouldn't homes be safe? What does that have to do with Jesus? It is not kingdom work without meditation on and the centrality of the king. So everything that you do in response to a life of this kind of prayer is action revolving around Jesus. We we do partner with all kinds of people who don't love Jesus but want to take care of kids at Owen Middle School. They do not love Jesus. And they want some of the same things that we do. And we do it with them. And we do it in the name of Jesus. And what we say to them is, we believe you want these things because you recognize truth's, about the world that God made. And the things that you want are good because God intended goodness for his creation. And so you may not even see it, but I'm here in Jesus' name to see this little corner of the kingdom grow out. And I'll do it with you. We can do it together. I just want you to know that I'm here with Jesus. So, we cannot be just just a people of prayer that the kingdom would come. And we can't be a a people of action without being a people of prayer. It's both things together. This is what James is telling you. If you are just a person of prayer without being a person of action, you don't believe what you're praying. They are meant to go together in the kingdom. That's what it looks like when Jesus rules and reigns. Now, There's another way that I think that we ought to pray this prayer, that I think I often do not pray. And that's why we read what we did in Romans chapter 8. Paul is telling us in Romans chapter 8 that because of the work of Jesus, the work of the Holy Spirit is put inside of you, and enables you to have this life with him. He's the one that enables you to pray this way, that you can actually call God your father. The thing that Jesus describes, the spirit applies and puts inside of you, and you can actually pray and address God as your father. And, and it's, not, it's not over. The truth is that we live in a world that is full of signs of the groaning of creation. The world is longing for Jesus to come and complete his work. And I I largely live a comfortable American life. I think there's probably lots of people like me in this room. And I'm, I'm largely okay with the way that the world is to be perfectly honest because it conforms to me. I'm, I like being comfortable. I live in the most comfortable place in human history. But there are some of you in this room who are suffering. You are, you are carrying emotional ...wounds, physical wounds... ...that you know will never leave you. There is nothing to be done for you. There is no undoing that grief, that loss. There is no medical treatment... ...that can relieve your suffering. Those people, when you are around them... ...you understand... Those people see this better than I do. And they are longing for what I should long for. Well, Paul says we wait in patient hope for. I I was talking with a friend whose son is significantly disabled. And he has watched his son's very limited vocabulary disappear. And even as his son's body gets larger, he knows that his mental capacity will never grow with his body. And he and his wife have to think about what it means to face a future with a large teenage son that they will, one of them will have to lay down on while they change his diaper four to five times a day. And that is their whole life. And then they know that one day they will die and they can only hope that somebody will take care of their son when they're gone. And there is so much grief and loss He loves his son, loves him deeply. And that's part of what is so grievous. That the little that he had with his son, he can't even have anymore. And you know, he said to me, man, the resurrection is gonna be so good. And he didn't have to say anything more. Because he means that in a way that I do not. Because he's looking at his son and saying, when Jesus rules and reigns on the earth, I will speak with my son. He longs for the fullness of redemption. And we should too. I may, not, I may not be able to feel it like he does, but if you are suffering and you know that there is likely no end to your suffering, you know exactly what he's talking about. And I'm here to say, you are in the right. Your perspective is the right one. Your perspective perspective is the kingdom one. Carl Bart a famous theologian said, we pray this until Easter becomes the general rule for all of creation. Until resurrection is the rule. So we, we pray within that God would renovate our own hearts and bring his kingdom. We pray for what's out in the world that right now God will invade the darkness And we pray that the kingdom would come down and finish what Jesus has started. And the only way any of this actually makes sense for you and I to pray is if you understand who it is that stands at the head of the kingdom. We are not living in a world that is inclined to say, I want someone to come and rule over me. We, we believe that we want to rule and reign because we believe that we are better and that we will be better, safer, happier people if we were the ones who ruled and reigned. And I, I wouldn't try to convince you otherwise except by this. You need to look at Jesus and to see what it might look like if he was the one that was ruling. Jesus is the one that gave up all the signs of his power to serve you. Jesus is the one who by any measure should be called your friend and in whose face you have spit and slapped And pushed away, and he has come right back for you. Jesus is the only one whose rule and whose reign will actually set you free rather than enslave you because he loves you. He loves you. There is no king. Like Jesus. And so when we beg and we plead and we cry out for the kingdom of God to come, for the rule of Jesus to be extended, we know that the more He rules over me, the freer I become. I'm not enslaved by Him, I am freed by Him because of the magnitude of His generous love for me we beg and we plead for the kingdom of God to come into our neighborhoods, into my neighbor's houses, into the darkness and the systems of this world because if Jesus was the king, if he was ruling and reigning, the world is so much better because he loves these people. He loves his creation and has come to set it free in him. If if Jesus would come, in power now, and set his feet upon the earth and make all things new, it would be the picture of perfect love and peace. And the only way this prayer makes sense, if he is the king you are praying to. If you are here today and you have, you're a Christian, you're a church person. But you have been comfortable keeping Jesus at a distance, sort of co-managing your life for a while. And you are realizing that you have lived apart from this prayer, from this request. Jesus will still be Jesus with you. So that if you would repent his response to you, would be patient love. And in his kindness and his goodness, he will give you mercy, and he will bring you in, rather than keep you at arm's length. So if you feel far off today and ashamed, the king of love has come for you. And if today you are realizing you have lived the entirety of your life under your own direction and control. You have never in any way experienced or acknowledged this ruling and reigning king. Today, I'm offering to you freedom. Whatever method you have of consoling yourself, getting yourself through life, managing life, through power, security, pleasure, whatever it might be, those things are coming to strangle you. You are not managing them. They are managing you and they are dominating you to death. And Jesus will set you free. He will be the one who will ask, actually master and lord over you. And do it with the gentlest hand and he will grow his rule and reign in you until it's like a tree that provides shade and shelter in the noonday sun he will not leave you or forsake you he is committed in love to you if you would but surrender to this king that is what you are invited to today And all who call him king, everyone, should know that this king will faithfully preserve you. He will keep you until the day finally comes when you see him face to face. And the answer to this prayer has come that we will see with our own eyes. His kingdom will come, and his will will be done, and all the earth will rejoice. Let me pray for us. Lord God, we give you thanks. That you are, you are master, you are king. And yet, there is none like you. The best rulers that we can imagine are only a dim and partial analogy to you. We pray for your kingdom to come not just because it is the right state of affairs, though it is. We pray for your kingdom to come to deliver us in the darkness of our own hearts so that we might be who we were made to be. We ask you to come in our neighborhoods, in our region and beyond because the whole world filled with the glory of your reign is a better and more beautiful world. We long to long for you the way we should. And Father, I pray for those who are here today who have, who've perhaps backed away, they prefer to, to share turns at the wheel of their life. And God, I pray that you will today put your finger on, on this area or that area where they, they now, Recognize that they have been the one in control. And God, I pray that you will extend a very clear invitation to them to abdicate and let you rule and reign over. And they will see that they can, of all people, trust you to do that. And Father, I pray for those who are here who have never been able to speak of you, speak to you as the Father who's at hand and rules from the heavens, whose kingdom is desirable. And God, I pray that today you would help them to see that there is a place in the kingdom for them. And that in fact, the best things that they long for, the good and true things that are truly true and good and beautiful, are desires that are echoes of the world you made and the world you will redeem. And God, I pray that they will see in you is the mega fulfillment beyond their wildest imagination of all their hopes and dreams. Father, help them to trust you and to surrender to you, that you would be the ruling monarch in their life to the flourishing of their soul and of, their whole world, of the whole world. God, we ask for your kingdom to come. We, we mean it now, we mean it in us, and God, we, we mean it in the ultimate sense. We ask that your kingdom would come. God, would you be with those who carry the wounds of this world in their bodies, in their hearts? God, I I pray that their own longing would lead the rest of us who fail to grasp the magnitude of the hope that you offer. And would you carry us all until the day comes when we see you face to face and all things are made new. We long for that day, Lord Jesus, and ask that it come quickly the praise of your name. Amen.